0: The Project Zion Podcast. This podcast explores the unique spiritual and theological gifts Community of Christ offers for today's world. Hello and welcome to Project Zion Podcast. This is your host, Robin Linkhart, and today our guest is Vim van Klinken. Vim was recently called to serve as a member of Community of Christ Presiding Bishopric. That call will be presented to the General Conference Legislative Session during World Conference 2023 for approval, and then Vim will be ordained at that World Conference. Vim, we're so glad to have you with us today. Welcome. And I'd love it if you just take a minute or two to introduce yourself to our listeners.
1: Thank you, Robin. I appreciate the opportunity to introduce myself to your listeners. So my name is Wim van Klinken, and Wim, for those who are not familiar, I'm Dutch, and Wim is the Dutch equivalent of Bill. My formal name is Willem van Klinken, which would be William van Klinken. I come out of a church family, and I have a uh, wife, Deborah, and one son, Max, who is 26 and who lives in Omaha, Nebraska. That's also where he studied. And um, I currently serve the church as the uh, chief information and technology officer and the director of uh, uh, business operations. People might not be familiar what those terms are, so let me explain. So the chief information and technology officer is really responsible within the church for all IT related issues the systems we provide centralized uh, for instance most people are familiar with Shelby uh, but uh, we also provide other centralized services like mail services office etc cetera, etc cetera. and as director of business operations I'm responsible for kind of the business side that is uh, interacting with the outside world but that also includes for instance Herald House uh, and uh, events and uh, we have at our facilities in Independence. Besides that what can I tell say more about myself Robin what do you want to know what do you think the listeners would love to know? Well,
0: I know that you're involved in the greater community here in Missouri and, um, and also that you have a home congregation. So maybe tell us just a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So my home congregation is Liberty, Missouri. That's different than Liberty Street in Independence, but the town Liberty mm-hmm. in uh, Missouri, which is just uh, north of Independence, northeast of Kansas City. I am somebody who is uh, really involved in the community, and especially in Kansas City, in the greater Kansas City area. When I came to the U.S., and I've got a lot of background in business and nonprofit world, but one of the first things I did was study at UMKC uh, and getting my Master of Public Administration just to get the lingo and to get the practices and the customs uh, here in the U.S. and get myself uh, familiarized with uh, those Actually, I immediately stayed with uh, UMKC as an adjunct faculty member and soon after also became a senior fellow at the Midwest Center for Nonprofit uh, Leadership. I'm very much involved in the nonprofit world in Kansas City, like I was in the nonprofit world in the Netherlands. Um, I served on many boards in the greater Kansas City area. Uh, Not all Church related, but some church related. And I also uh, support nonprofits through some consultancy activities as well.
0: Thank you so much, Vim. That really helps us get a feel for your current context and all the things that you're engaged in. I know our listeners would love to hear about your growing up years, um, what life was like for you in your family and community. And obviously, that's very different because it was not here. In the usa so take us on a little journey of your early life up to about late teens
1: yeah so so i grew up in the church and my dad was a comfort to the church he uh he joined the church when he was in his late teens and uh, my mom also grew up in the church i would be considered third generation in the church My parents were very much involved in leadership in the church. My dad uh, was for a long time the national minister. My dad even worked for the church for about four years in the mid-70s. And my mom was the national women's leader. So I really grew up as the kid of the minister, together with my brother, my, my younger brother. We just are one year apart. Uh, but the two of us grew up together, really involved in church life at a time that we were still convinced that this was the only one true church. So I'm talking about uh, born in 64. And so my formational years, as you alluded to up to my late teens, would be in the 60s and the 70s. Uh, at a time that uh, most of the church members were convinced this was the one true church. And also in an environment in uh, Western Europe, in the Netherlands, but this would be the case for all of Western Europe, where belonging to an American church uh, was not common. And also where most people would belong either to a Protestant church, the Protestant church in the Netherlands, or the Catholic church. That was kind of, uh, that's what you belong to. And if you would belong to something else, you were clearly a minority. So that's also how always how I felt. was uh, like always had to defend myself, always um, uh, be this oddball <laughs> out there uh, that belonged to a denomination. Um, So, and because of having to defend yourself, you really are also um, very well knowledgeable about the church. So that's kind of my upbringing as a child, um, very much in church uh, life, going to, of course, going to school, um, public school, and um, being a very good academics very well, no problem at all. And next to it, uh, music was also uh, the family's passion. My parents did sing. None of them really played an instrument, but from um, early on, our parents kind of stimulated that we uh, were involved in music.
0: So I believe you are a gifted pianist as well as a lovely voice. So vocals. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. Yes. So um, I studied off as a uh, playing the piano from the age of uh, six, Uh, had piano lessons until I was uh, 13. Then I had a short stint of playing uh, the clarinet. That's my lungs didn't like that. So I had to stop really with playing the clarinet But from the age of, uh, and I always sung in church, you sing, so Mm -hmm. that happened. Uh, But from the age of 18, I went to university uh, when I was 17 already, and also then started to sing in um, the uh, choir of the university. And was introduced to a program to become a choir master, a director, a conductor. So I immediately did that. And I studied for five years next to my study as uh, for economics. I also went and studied uh, as a choir master. So I'm professionally trained as a conductor. Actually, most people don't know that. but uh, And especially then focused on choirs. So that's where my vocal uh, uh, studies come from as well.
0: One of the things I love about uh, hosting interviews on project design podcast is I get to learn some of the most amazing things about people that I've known for many years. And I met, uh, I met you Ven, back when I was in seminary. So I started seminary in 2003. We'll get to the rest of your, your story soon. So we'll find out where we crossed paths. Um, love hearing about this. So you, um, have finished your secondary education and your, you touched a little bit on some of your studies as you went forward to university. Tell us about uh, the rest of that and your professional career and starting a family and maybe, you know, how is your life with the church coming into this? And as you began to be engaged in uh, ordained ministry, what that looked like?
1: Yeah, so I um... The educational system in the Netherlands is different than in the U.S. Um, so uh, while in the U.S. people are familiar with going through K-12, through 12, kind of everybody goes through the same and gets to, through high school, uh, although in high school you might have some specialties or electives. In the Netherlands, actually, everybody goes through the age of 12, through the same program, and then separates out depending on your skills and depending on your affinities. So some people at the age of 12 might go to trade school just to learn a trade. Some people might go to uh, some general schooling. And I've been fortunate academically, I immediately go to a, a school that really prepares you for academic studies. So by the age of 17, I graduated from that and immediately went to university, which would be my start of my master's programs at that point. And I started studying uh, economics, macro, microeconomics, and they're specialized in business science and the cross section of public accounting with management information systems. So um, I was the, uh, the first cohort really doing that. And I was even the first student assistant at that time. At the same time, I also started working while I was uh, doing that. I started teaching at my own secondary school. And I also kind of started in IT. And I was from age of 18, I was conducting five nights a week. So I'm a workaholic, as many who know me (laughs) know. Um, So I was pretty busy studying, working during the daytime, conducting during the night, uh, five nights a week. And then at the age of 22, I started my own businesses in IT in a time that um, was very fortunate in the 80s and was, was just good and founded several companies and by the age in my mid 30s I sold them but going back that's I met my wife when uh, when I was 24 I think I need to go back now when (laughs) yes 24 almost 25 when I met my wife and uh, we got married uh, 15 months later And our son was born five years later. Yes, we married in 91 and at Valentine's Day, actually, for people who are interested. (laughs) Valentine's Day, 91, we got married and uh, our son was born in 96. So we were in our early 30s uh, when our only child was uh, born. So by that time, I was um, in our early 30s, I was well-to-do. Uh, already had made a career. I also uh, had started other studies, as as already told. I've studied economics and uh, business science. In all of that, music, and I also done later postgraduate studies in uh, business administration. And I've done asset management later, so I'm just I'm just continuing uh, learning. At the time, I'd also done the uh, European studies of the Comenius program, which got me to study at six different universities throughout Europe for short stints. Um, and I had my Master of Arts in Religion, where you and I met Robin in the early 2000s at the time. uh, And then uh, when I came here to the U.S. in 2007, I um, started studying several years later at UMKC to do my Master of Public Administration. Uh, So I've got um, two masters here in the U.S., because the system in the Netherlands is different, we wouldn't call that masters at the time. But they are multiple masters equivalent at that uh, at that time. So I had my businesses. I sold those in my mid-30s, wondering what to do. I was a bit disappointed, I must say, in the for-profit sector. Because a lot of what I encountered, let me phrase it that way, in the for-profit sector, was people generating a lot of money for themselves and a lot of greed. And uh, I encountered also uh, corruption um, in for-profit worlds. And with my Christian upbringing, I did not think that that was or my understanding of my Christian upbringing, that that would really change the world that much. So I wanted to serve in the four cause, that's how I call it, instead of the nonprofit, the four cause sector, and eventually decided to work for the church. I let me go back. So I had already served the, my home congregation in Rotterdam, so I grew up in Rotterdam in Netherlands. That's where I was born and raised. I had served for a long time my congregation as the uh, treasurer, as it was called at the time. And also in my early 30s, I served the congregation as the pastor, all self-sustaining. Then I became a self-sustaining leader for the church in the Netherlands. And then after I sold my business, wondering what I'm going to do in 2002, I decided to say, okay, I'm going to give half of my time as a self-supporting minister to the Europe region at the time. So I became self-sustaining associates, regional administrator for the European church. And my focus was on Western Europe, actually. And I did that from uh, October one. 2002 to July 1, 2004, and uh, because in July 1, 2004, I was going in full-time ministry as an employee of the church and became the first mission center president for the Europe Mission Center. Currently, you've got the Western Europe Mission Center. You've got the Eurasia Mission Center. At that time, that was still one mission center. So I've been employed by the church since July 1, 2004. And then in December of 2007, we moved to the U.S., where I became the director of international headquarters for the church. It's probably a long story there, uh, Robin.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. So let's I just want to back up just a tiny bit and and tell us about when you were first called into the priesthood. So kind of your journey of ordination uh, on the, the backdrop of all these wonderful things you've shared with us.
1: I was probably I don't know how old I was when I was first called into the priesthood probably in my early 20s, somewhere. Uh, And I was called to priest at the time. And because it was kind of late, my my younger brother was already called to the priesthood. So I was far more what I would call mature, not that I would now say, hey, don't interpret that my younger brother was immature. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is, I had had a lot of time to think about it. So all calls never came as a surprise to me, not the calls really that I've had. Um, and so this was a call in my home congregation, Brother Them, that really fitted at that time. Uh, unfortunately, during those years, there was a lot of tumult. So I knew at some point, okay, I need to accept the call and also get myself in, in leadership roles to help the organization or the church out at the time so that was um i was 20 or so when 2021 when i was called to priest i i'm trying to recall the circumstances really of it so uh at the time and um not long after i was probably three years later or so i was called to elder And uh, I was called to high priest in 2002. So that coincided kind of when I also started working as um, self-sustaining regional administrator assistant. I recall that very well, um, my call to high priest, because my dad was aware of the call. But he died in between me getting the call and me being ordained. So I was ordained as high priest a month after my dad had passed away. So that's, uh, yeah, that was very special at that time and uh, got a lot of support and special. And it also gave me this special bond with unfortunately the late Len Young and Case Compere who were instrumental during that time. So uh, in my transition, as I said early on, so I grew up believing this was the one true church. Mm -hmm. And um, I think Len and Case were very instrumental in keeping me with the church and transitioning or helping me understand that my rebel thoughts, I was not alone with my rebel thoughts. Mm But that they had those same, yeah. What I was thinking was probably theologically sound at the time, <laughs> and uh, so because they implemented a young adult studies in, at the um, around that same time, shortly after I also went enlisted in the Master of uh, Art for Religion, the M.A.R. But that really helped me change and helped me better understand and and really form my belief system mm-hmm. to a point that would be more sound and really got my passion for the church during those years.
0: Yeah, that's so important to have those key mentors in our life mm-hmm. that, that help bridge us and in a sense, keep us tethered to the community and allow the space to grow and learn, but that encouragement, like you said, that you weren't alone in some of the things you were thinking. Okay, Vem, that brings us to your recent call to the presiding bishopric. And we just want to hear all the things that you're comfortable sharing with us about your experience of that call and how it transpired.
1: So this call didn't come as a surprise. As none of the calls came. And so while I was working in Europe, I was kind of Len and Case were my mentors and had a closer relationship with them. When I came to the US, not immediately for the first couple of years, but s- soon, Stacy really became my mentor. <laughs> and um, uh, so I've been working closely with Stacy for years and really felt that call coming first of all the call to Bishop originally the, the call to Bishop which came I must say four or five years ago or so that one came as a surprise so um just a little story there I was called and uh, or, or Stacy wanted to Talk with me at that time, and it just happened um after we had one of those first experiences where we had a online service and the the whole system didn't work, so I was called to meet with Stacy and I thought, okay, I'm gonna get <laughs> really um. Uh, chastised for <laughs> for that. That one I didn't yeah, realize and didn't see coming. Um, but that was a call to bishop. But the call to be a member of the presiding bishop, Rick, uh, I've seen that coming, uh, working close with Stacy, with uh, presiding bishop, Rick. And uh, for the years, uh, I've served the church as the controller for Canada for a while. Uh, so I've been there those roles where I've really, and my role in IT, completely understanding the finances of the organization, helping uh, or being instrumental in implementing a new financial system a couple of years ago at headquarters. So I've seen that coming. Felt, felt that there was a call and felt also, okay, it's time being prompted by the spirit as to say to say okay hey vim it's time to to not only be there on the it side but also help with the financial side of the organizations people might not know that in my new role i will still continue to serve as the chief information and technology officer so i will still continue doing that and being involved in that but also now being involved in being the stewards, the trustees of the organization for its uh, uh, financial assets, etc. So um, uh, it it's, it didn't come as a surprise. Uh, actually, I was uh, when I was called, and uh, as you know, those calls don't come from like in this case, Stacy or whatever. Uh, you're called into. Steve Vesey's office, (laughs) Steve Vesey wants to have an appointment with you, and you kind of feel what's coming (laughs) at that point. And uh, of course, I had to uh, confer with my wife, Deborah, but uh, within several days, I made uh, Steve aware, President Vesey aware that that I was willing to serve in this uh, particular role.
0: Thank you for sharing that with us, Vim. It's so fascinating to listen to your story as you experience the Holy Spirit moving in your life in different ways and, and to sense calls before they come. That must be a very grounding experience to, mm-hmm. to have that be part of what not only sustains you, but um, all part of that calling process. So then, uh, The big announcement was made and the whole world knows that you are going to be um, serving with the presiding bishopric. So how has this new chapter as it's unfolding and this ongoing adventure with God, how has that changed things for you?
1: So I think the main thing that has changed is me starting to prep a bit more, being Primarily focused on IT or uh, the business side of the organization and far less in ministry. Although I'm a minister and I'm involved in ministry, I preach, etc. But now it it is different. Um, I was in uh, in a congregation yesterday and immediately approached by somebody who wanted to talk about the finances of the church, wanted to talk with me about... What she read in the Herald, so that makes a difference. All of a sudden, you represent the church, you re- represent the organization. and um, I can't be less, I need to be less blunt as a Dutch <laughs> person. And not that I need to be politically correct. that would be difficult for me, but you represent the organization in a different way. And people view you in a different way. Fortunately, my colleagues at headquarters, I've not felt that they've treated me differently or whatever. It's not, you know, so that's, that's good. I still have those same relationships, but you see it how it works in the congregational life. So the other thing that has happened in the meantime, I've been for the past, years the mission center financial officer for voluntarily for the midlands mission center that's a position that can't be combined with a position in the presiding bishopric so um, since i knew about the call without them knowing why (laughs) i've said okay this will be my last term my last year and uh, so we've been transitioning for a while, uh, and I've now handed over those responsibilities uh, to others. Fortunately, we had a team of four mission center financial officers, of which I was the team lead, the one of record, as we call it. And the other three are continuing in that role. So we've had several years of transitioning, uh, but it became more important in this uh, last period when it was clear to everybody that I was called into the presiding bishopric. So, so those are the kind of things that uh, have happened. And the two things I'm doing at the headquarters in regard to IT and uh, the business side, I've got two excellent team leads, as we call it at headquarters, that for some longer time now, I've more and more train them, and that continues in training them and making them more and more self-sufficient. So I can stay on a more strategic level instead of uh, having to do a lot of hands-on myself. Although I still love hands-on stuff, <laughs> I still love programming, and I will continue to program. And there's a lot of programs in the church that are made by myself and that are maintained by myself, uh, but. I'm moving more and more on a more strategic level.
0: That's all very fascinating information to hear. And I certainly can relate to that sense of uh, gravity when you realize that you represent the whole church. Uh, And both of us have served, you know, at mission center levels and congregation levels. And indeed, we represent the church, but there is something uh, different a different weight when people are looking at you as representing the world church. And I, for one, am just delighted that you have been called and that you will be representing the church. Bim, what are your hopes for the future? And how do you see God moving in the world in ways that connect with community of Christ and God's invitation to boldly follow into the heart of God's vision for all creation?
1: So I am a very optimistic person. I think I I see a bright future. (laughs) I know that uh, the church is struggling in some ways, but all in all, there's a future for the movement. There's a future for the movement, and that future will not likely be how the past has been. And I am excited to help shape that future and help people transition from what it was into what it could be. And there's some paradigm shifts to be made. President Fisi calls it, we need to have a metamorphosis that needs to happen. That just means, okay, we need to look at things in a, new and, for me, exciting ways. So I'm very excited. I'm very optimistic. And yes, it will be pain for some who want to hold on to the past. Uh, but I am also know that there's a lot of younger people, I'm now perceived probably as one of the older folks, <laughs> that are longing to this idea of being change makers in this world, yeah? being really the, the light, the leaven, the salt, the body of Christ in new ways. I would say that to be the church in this world. Uh, and when I say to be the church, being the church is different than have church in the world. And for some, it might even mean be different than have a church in this world. So this idea of being the Christ, be the church, being the body of Christ in this world, I think that's that's what I feel passionate about. And I hope you hear it in my voice uh, at the moment. And people are longing to hear that. And I think for me, if you ask me what is one of these... Again, I'm a business scientist. What's the one of the unique selling points of this organization is that we're an organization that is so diverse from different nations and having that input, all those different ideas instead of people only being in their own echo chamber as a small parochial church, but bring that all together. That, that has so much to offer to the world. And that's what I am passionate about. That's what I feel That's that God calls us to. And I think the spirit is already there. We just need to hop on. <laughs> that's uh, how I feel. It's just going to be different. And I don't know how how it will look exactly, but it will be there. <laughs>
0: Well, like you, I'm an optimist as well. And I love the way you speak of this and give voice and uh, shape and form and, and that you are very honest about, we don't know what it's going to look like. You don't know what it's going to look like, but there's definitely a sense of call and purpose Mm -hmm. and inklings and glimpses into what can be. I think uh, Vim, when you said that in your mid thirties, you sold your for-profit businesses that you had, in a sense, become disillusioned by the for-profit sector that were in it for the money for themselves and the greed and the consumption. And then you said you wanted to work and move for the for-cause sector. Um, We really hear that in, in your words, that passion and compassion that you bring to your ministry and to your work. That kind of brings me to my next question. Vim, I think we've heard this uh, weaving through your story in some ways. How do you nurture your relationship with God?
1: Several ways. I'm analytical. Uh, I love to read a lot. So in my reading, and when I say reading, it's uh, nonfiction, (laughs) I love to read, I love to pause, I love to chew and and really getting in contact with what's beyond the words. So that's that's one thing. So I really love that. Um the other spiritual practice as you might say is just be out in nature. I don't know when this will be uh broadcast. But uh, for those who are friends on Facebook know I've just been to the Rockies and just been in Rocky Mountains National Park. Uh, Deborah and I love just to be out there and just be blessed by the wonder of the greatness, be wonder and be fed. So for me, because as I said earlier, I'm a workaholic, but I balance that very well. I think, with taking time just to to come to myself, to come to my senses, to be connected again with the greater wonder that's out there. And uh, the greater wonder that's out there that might be in the thoughts that other people share on paper (laughs) or what you just find in out there so that's uh, yeah just love that uh balance in life and of course music and of course music
0: <laughs> good i was wondering if you would say that i was certain that was part of how you nurture your relationship with mm-hmm. the divine vim is there anything you would like to share with us that i haven't asked you about today
1: No, thank you for the question and thank you for the questions. I am grateful for the opportunity to get to know people uh, and people to get to know me. Um, And uh, I'm just looking forward to meet people. I've got uh, connections with people in, uh, in Europe, of course. I've got connections with the people here in the US that I've served, but... There's parts of the church I've not yet met, and I'm looking forward to meet and uh, get acquainted and uh, serve together as a person, not necessarily in this role, but just as a a child of God, meeting other children of God and uh, share passion, share a meal, share singing, (laughs) whatever, just uh, be with one another. And uh, them. that's what I'm looking forward to. And I'm very grateful for the opportunity uh, you provided, Robin.
0: And Vim, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been great to catch up with you. I've missed being with you. Like we used to be at seminary when we could learn together and sit in the library and chit chat. It's just been wonderful to hear about your life. And listeners, if you would like to hear more from them, check out Community of Christ YouTube channel under Witness the Word, March of 2022, a release called Thanks for Relief. And also, you'll be hearing more from Vim and his new role in the presiding Bishopric World Conference is April 22 to 28. As always, a very special thanks to you, our listeners, for spending a portion of your day with us. This is your host, Robin Linkhart, and you are listening to Project Zion Podcast. Go out and make the world a better place. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Project Zion Podcast. Project Zion Podcast is a ministry of Community of Christ. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are of those speaking and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Community of Christ. The music has been graciously provided by Dave Hines.